Gents, welcome to another episode of Apex Masculinity. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Nick Chantos. Apex Masculinity is a high-performance men's coaching outfit designed to see men show up strong in every area of life. We want to see men show up strong as husbands, enjoying a rich, fulfilling, intimate relationship with their spouses. We want to see men show up strong as fathers, being present, training, molding, and shaping their kids to be well-rounded, emotionally secure people with a stable, fully involved support system at home from their fathers. We want to see men stand out strong in their place of business, whether they're employers or employees, adding value to the organization that they earn a living from to support their families. We want to see men develop and implement wisdom in their finances, systematically eliminating debt and amassing wealth to enjoy a responsible, yet fulfilling existence rich in life experiences and using that wealth to make profitable investments that will continue building a living legacy for their loved ones to enjoy. We want to see men doing well in their health, fitness, and nutrition, taking care of themselves for the longevity of the race that's been set before them. We want to see emotionally secure, grounded, well-rounded balance to life for men. Men not walking under a cloud of defeatism and shame, but operating from a place of positivity and courage, not letting their past or their worst moments in life define them, but asking themselves the hard questions and willing to do the hard work to continue to grow and to mature as men in every area of life. See, we all have areas of life that we need to grow in. And it requires extreme honesty on our parts. Guys, today I want to talk to you about the legacy principle. But before we do that, I have a couple questions for you. What does it mean to be apex? What does it mean to be substandard? What is the definition of masculinity? Simply put, Webster defines apex as the tip, the summit, or the climax of anything. To be substandard means to be less than adequate, to not measure to regular established standards. The definition of masculinity is the quality or control condition of being masculine, traditional characteristics of being male. What does it mean to be a substandard man? Per our definitions above, it simply means to consistently perform beneath the established standards of manhood. If I were to ask you pointedly, and I am, I'm asking you now, are you an apex man or are you substandard? How would you respond? Before you take offense to the question and write me off feeling as though the question itself is an attack against your character or your integrity as a man, you should know two things. One, I ask myself this question every day. Am I an apex man or am I substandard? What areas of my life am I performing below the established standards in? See, for me, the pain of being substandard far outweighs the pain of having my feelings hurt at being asked the question. To be given one life, and to spend that life in the doldrums of mediocrity, never succeeding, especially after being given everything one needs to be successful, 
in my opinion, is a transgression of sacred things. It's sacrilegious. Irregardless of your past, your upbringing, your reputation, all of it. We live in a time never before seen in human history. A time filled with knowledge to grow and to mature. A time filled with tactics to rebuild and develop one's life. We live in a time of limitless opportunities to excel and succeed. There's absolutely no excuse why we as men cannot become apex. I say this with great empathy to those that were raised in environments that were abusive and destructive. I get it. Many of us grew up in living situations that were not conducive to developing the character, habits, mindset, and the support system required to hit the ground running into a successful life. But guys, therein lies the beauty of our campaign. To go from brokenness to apex achievement is the hero's journey defined. I applaud you for undertaking the quest that lies before you, which brings us to the second thing that you should know. Something in you, proven by the simple fact that you're listening to this podcast, is already operating from a place of honesty and humility as you come to terms with the reality that there's not only room for improvement in certain areas of your life, but that you want to improve and become the best version of yourself today. An attitude like this is commendable and certainly unique in the culture that we live in. In an age where men walk blinded by ignorance to the fact that masculinity as a whole is floundering and the definition of manhood is under constant assault, we need now more than ever for men to not only understand, but to begin to operate from the truest and noblest definition of manhood. With firm and resolute determination, we as men must understand and uphold the sacred task of apex masculinity, lest it fall by the wayside and be forever lost, leaving the world confused and deficient. The world needs good men, yet men lay sleeping. Will you rise? Will you wake to the challenge of rejecting the toxic ideologies of manhood and walk with me reclaiming true epic apex masculinity? The podcasts, gentlemen, are a collection of stories from my own life, shared with you for the purpose of inspiring reflection on your own life and the condition that your life is currently in. There are principles that one must adopt and implement in their life in order to achieve and maintain success in any area of life, and we will certainly cover them all over the span of time. As well, we need to know that all of us are coming into this journey of growth and maturity at different stages, at different ages, with different upbringings that have developed us to have contrasting worldviews on many issues. The beauty of manhood is that no matter if you came from abuse or neglect, or if you came from money in a healthy support system, once you decide it's time to grow and mature as a man, the principles are the same for all of us. We all want to be better husbands. We all want to be better fathers. We all want to manage our money better and build wealth. We all want to be healthy, to be positive, value-adding members of the communities that we're part of. We all want to be emotionally strong and secure as men, functioning from a place of emotional health. We all want to build lasting legacy and go down in history as one that affected life in a distinct 
and memorable way rather than one who fizzled into eternity as a continual failure, never amounting to much. I don't want to be always on the losing end of whatever challenges life brings my way. My hope is that the podcasts will be a blessing to you. And even if it causes you and I to make even the subtlest changes to the way we carry ourselves as men, we can affect the world around us, even in the slightest degree, in a positive way. If we can do this, then we are the men that have done the greatest good with the short time that we have on this dusty rock that we call home. So as we get into legacy, gentlemen, I'd like to share a story with you. I never saw it coming. It was just after 5 a.m. on a foggy South Texas morning. The sky was dense with clouds, shrouding the moonlight and providing a blanket of darkness that settled over the wet morning. The fog held complete dominion over the landscape, challenged only by the foreboding reddish glow of the traffic light at which I now sat. The lights held their own, but barely. Their desperate attempt to exercise authority and visibility over the hundred yards of turf that they had been commissioned to alert and protect was diminishing by the moment. As I sat idling at the intersection in my little white Nissan, staring so intently at the glowing crimson lantern hanging above, I almost didn't even notice the subtle shift to green. I eased into the throttle. Bam! The semi hit me broadside. As a professional trucker myself, I routinely look first. As we were taught in school, left, right, then left again. Not today. My mind, under the stress of a myriad of recent personal failures and current problems, coupled with the fatigue of too many early morning commutes, had me in my own fog mentally. Distracted by the current state of affairs, not only in our economy, but in my own life, at the time, living in an RV with my wife and three kids, hauling gravel around San Antonio, making just enough to be broke and barely surviving, contemplating all the bad choices and tragic setbacks over the last few years, I pulled through my intersection, left-hand blinker of the tiny Versa politely advising the world that we now had the right-of-way before being effortlessly lifted off the ground by the homicidal kiss of a belly dump doing 70 miles an hour fully loaded at 40 tons, trying to make the light. I was now liberated from my fog. Everything from the windshield out to the front license plate was gone. The shattered glass, fragments of copper, nuts and bolts and wire were like a drunken blast of confetti on New Year's Eve. Even the transmission was completely gone, which of course prevented me from being able to put the vehicle into park allowing the doors to automatically unlock so I could climb out. I was, for the moment, trapped. In that instant, I gained clarity on two things that for me had been rumors only up to that point. One, it truly doesn't hurt near as bad if you don't see it coming. And two, sodium azide and potassium nitrate do indeed instantaneously combine to, to form nitrogen gas filling up deployed airbags in your vehicle located in places you never would have even imagined that they are installed. Oddly enough, the excitement wasn't quite finished that, that morning. There was an ample string of vehicles behind my assailant that stopped to render aid. An elderly African-American couple were first on the scene. 
I've never been more impressed by the phenomenon of super strength caused by adrenaline rushing through the human body that takes place during moments of catastrophic excitement. There was no earthly way that she, with her uh, feeble and arthritic frame, could have picked up a boulder of that size to throw through the back window of my car, allowing me a passage of escape. In my bewilderment, I inaccurately mistook the smell of nitrogen gas being released from the deflating airbags as smoke, leading me to believe that my car was on fire. I didn't even notice the arms of the young Hispanic man on his way to work that morning reach in through the crater that had once been my window and bear hug me out through the shattered gaping void, setting my feet firmly on safe, solid asphalt. There was a silent moment where we just stared at each other. I reached out, arms wide open, grateful for the assistance. He hugged me back without any awkwardness, like two cousins that hadn't seen each other in over a decade. At this point, I peeked back through the fractured glass to make sure my lifeless corpse wasn't slumped over the steering wheel before my disembodied spirit was whisked off into a shimmering glow of warm light to engage in whatever activities await all who embark on the second half of that eternal bus ride. Ridiculous as it may seem, my morning brush with the Reaper wasn't quite through. Huddled around the devastated wreckage that was once my car, traffic stopped in all directions, people on their phones dialing 911, muttering and chattering in astonishment about how they totally expected to see a dead body and how they couldn't believe that driver just tried to drive off. A young lady on her way to work coming from the opposite direction decided to confirm the answer to another age-old physics problem. Foggy conditions times limited visibility plus four bald tires to the power of wet asphalt squared always equals misfortune. As she locked the brakes up, she jerked the steering wheel hard to avoid slamming her car into all the vehicles halted in that space that shouldn't have been there, but were there cloaked from visibility by that unnaturally compressed fog, sending her on a spiraling path through the intersection directed straight towards myself, my first responders, and what was left of my car. Another miracle was bestowed upon the children of men that morning as her paint-faded 86 Lincoln Town Car was stopped, drifting sideways only inches from our gathering. People were literally screaming and diving face first out of the way to avoid being plowed over by this tank of a vehicle barreling towards us now at least at 40 miles an hour. I felt so bad for this young girl, 17, 19 at most, as the infuriated crowd did not restrain themselves from expressing in no uncertain terms their sore displeasure at her obvious inability to control her vehicle or the laws of physics and momentum and inertia and gravity. It was the most surreal experience I have ever had. The flashlight in my eyes checking for evidence of concussion snapped me back to focus. My street side examination by the paramedic coupled with the bright flashing lights of the state police having now placed an authoritative sense of order over the situation caused me to finally relax a bit. My neck was on fire. Do you need to go to the hospital, sir? I, I don't know, was my stammered response. Surly, I highly advise you to go to the hospital for x-rays. Yes, of course, I replied. I was confused, in shock, and basically being led to whatever next right decision was being recommend, recommended for me. 
My ambulance ride to Guadalupe Regional Medical Center included a fancy white neck brace and a first-time opportunity to lay down on a gurney and ride stylish in the back of an EMS transport. Cognate and in stable condition, we opted for strobe lights only, sparing the surrounding residential communities of the obnoxious sirens that seek only to remind all that hear them that things happen fast and tomorrow isn't promised to anyone. Laying on the gurney, I had a somber introspection that saddened me to my core. What if that had been the one? That fateful day that eventually awaits all of us. That final punch of the time clock of life that closes our eyes for the last time in this life and robs everyone that you know and love of your existence, leaving only memories photos, and a life experience of grief that I think most humans would agree is the most painful to accept and difficult to heal from, death. How would my family survive without me? Having no possessions of value, no money in the bank, not even life insurance to assist in the fees associated with my burial. Worse yet, how would I be remembered? What had I accomplished in life? I certainly wasn't the worst person that I knew, but I absolutely knew I wasn't the best version of myself either by a long shot. Gentlemen, I ask you, what is legacy? How is it built? Is it even important and why? As stated earlier, I'm not a deep thinker on all topics. I live a pretty simple life. But when stumped by something, I feel the need to educate myself. So I began a project of self-analysis that took me deeper into myself than I've ever cared or dared to go. I wasn't impressed with myself or with much of what I had accomplished up to this point in my life. As I began to daily reflect over the 35-year journey that had led me to becoming the man that I then was, I kept seeing patterns, reoccurring themes, I had developed an uncanny knack for self-sabotage. I didn't ever play the long game. I seldom finished what I started. I was pleasure-driven and experience-driven rather than accomplishment-driven. But most importantly, I learned that I had developed over the last three decades a self-limiting belief system that had me literally locked out of ever hoping to live a truly rewarding, fulfilling, and successful life. If I've learned anything over the last several years of studying psychology, I can unequivocally guarantee you that we will always, whether consciously or subconsciously, behave and make choices in accordance with what we believe about ourselves to be true concerning who we are. You will live how you see yourself to be. Your level of success in any area of life will seldom exceed your level of personal belief about yourself in that role. If you see yourself as a loser and believe that you're a loser, then you will be one. Even if you desperately don't want to be one. If your subconscious mind believes you to be substandard, then it freaks out when you try to be anything but substandard. The act of you attempting to be successful doesn't sink with the several decades of toxic and substandard negativity that your conscious and subconscious mind have matured into being. Therefore, usually in a frantic attempt to simply cause your life 
to match what you believe, you and I usually will do something stupid to bring ourselves back to the level of success and normality that we're accustomed to, which often is substandard. Almost like a mind-possessing parasite that takes complete control of its host, your mind, you will watch in horror as you begin to make decisions committing self-sabotage-based behaviors that will always bring you back to the level of success that you believe you are allowed to have. In clinical psychology, this is diagnosed as cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is simply defined as the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. This is why some of us feel like frauds when we start becoming successful. This is why we feel like fraudulent and unfulfilled men when we're stuck in a place of unsuccess. I'm sure you could understand how wild of a life ride that would create for someone who had an equally proportional amount of I'm a loser and can't do anything beliefs coupled with I'm a titan and I am perfectly capable of achieving epic greatness. As men, this is what we become in life, though, no? We've grown up in unhealthy environments that have shaped over the years of childhood and adolescence a toxic and cynical mindset that limits and affects to varying degrees our level of self-confidence, self-worth, self-image, self-respect, and self-esteem. Yet, as well, by trial and error just over the natural course of time, we have also gained a sizable set of life experiences where we have succeeded and achieved goals that we have set for ourselves. The irony is these conflicting views unfortunately do not cancel each other out. Rather, they fight each other constantly for ownership and dominion of your perspective on how you see yourself as a man. These two opposing viewpoints are emboldened and empowered at different seasons in life based on a myriad of different relatable circumstances. Circumstances like, are we plateauing in life? Have we gotten enough sleep? The amount of stress, the condition of our relationships, like our marriage and how we're raising our kids, the condition of our finances, the roller coaster ride of summers of great success followed by winters of discouragement, defeatism, and destructive choices is almost enough for even the most loyal and devoted of wives to say, hey, I can't do this with you anymore. Was there a way to avoid the mountaintop valley syndrome and just live a steady climb upwards to not only being a better man, but to achieving and keep achieving levels of success that built on themselves. What is legacy? How is it defined in tangible terms? And again, why does it matter? Webster's Dictionary defines legacy as a gift or possession bestowed upon another from a predecessor at will. At will, simply meaning at the discovery of the contents of the last will and testament after one's passing. 
Not a very exciting definition when one considers the way the term legacy is tossed about today as though it were some epic achievement that you acquire in your relentless pursuit of success and accomplishment, like some crown jewel that once acquired can be relished and doted over by the legacier for soaring to a certain altitude of prosperity or fame in life. In short, gentlemen, legacy is nothing more than what you will be remembered by and as after your departure from this place. Legacy can never be appreciated by the man. Only the process of creating an epic legacy may be enjoyed, for your legacy develops and gains, whether negative or positive, up until your last whispered breath. Our legacy is something we will never hold personally in our own hands. In fact, it is something that will never be discussed or even mused over until we step into eternity, at which point it will matter very little to you. We may hold and cherish another's legacy and enjoy, as it were, contemplating and discussing the legendary achievements of another person's triumphs and conquests. But you and I, by rule and the very definition of legacy, are not allowed to hold our own. Our only engagement, our only enjoyment or regret in the architecture of building personal legacy is so that others may one day hold and hopefully praise and benefit from the lifelong endeavors that you and I are building today. Every choice to take positive action and create or take negative actions that tear down and destroy even when being passive and taking no action, you and I are quietly building our legacy. A better definition of legacy, one that I believe boils it all down, is to see our legacy as men, as a four-legged table that will either fatten all who sit thereby or malnourish. The table is your life. The table is supported by four legs. Legacy is defined four ways. One, legacy is what you acquire. Two, what you accomplish. Three, who you become. And four, who you influence. Let's take a look at the four attributes of building legacy. Let's take a look at these four table legs that uphold your life and your legacy. The first, and in my opinion, the least important of the four, but important enough to where it deserves discussion, is what you acquire. Legacy involves what you acquire in life. Not from a place of greed, but from a place of being able to acquire wealth and possessions to provide a rich quality of life, not only for yourself, but for your loved ones, for the people that you care for. Time is money. The more money we have, the less we have to work and the more time we have to the things that are important to us and to the people that are important to us. Many men in this country every day step into the afterlife and leave nothing 
for their families except memories and an $11,000 burial fee that most families will have to go into debt to take care of. I don't want to live my life in a way where when I finally pass on, my passing is a tremendous burden to the people that I claim to love and care for. Again, not from a place of greed, but would you not agree that it's commendable and respectable as men for us to acquire not only wealth, but possessions for our family to be able to enjoy? And when I say that, I basically mean like maybe owning a home with a plot of land that's yours that provides a safe and healthy place for your kids to explore, to grow up and to enjoy their adolescence and their childhood. Being able to purchase possessions, being able to take your kids and sign them up for sporting events, being able to travel overseas and see different cultures and experience different things that will in effect culture you as a man. Being able to acquire possessions and wealth will be a benefit to your loved ones in the eventual day that you pass. Not wanting to be the harbinger of doom, but just a gentle reminder that that day is coming for all of us. It's the one thing that none of us can escape. We will all pass from this life into the next. And as I said before, I don't want my passing to be the final burden that I place upon my family. Most people go into debt as they finance funerals and burials for their loved ones. I don't want that. I have three daughters that I love and care for very much that I would love to streamline weddings for one day when they're ready without having to max out credit cards and go into debt to do it. I would love to be able to travel overseas and take my kids with me and allow them to experience other cultures that will enrich them as people. I would love to be able to purchase um, safety rated high quality vehicles for my kids when they're ready to start driving. I would love to be able to purchase time and tenure at college for them so that they can learn a trade and when they step out into the world, ready to build their own legacy, they're a leg up and above most of the rest of the world. Much of the world lives in a place of poverty. But the dirty little secret, guys, is that they don't have to. It's about buckling down and being disciplined and not living for experiences and pleasures from day to day but restraining oneself and saving and making investments that will turn a dollar in the future, being patient and letting your money work for you. What you acquire, both possessions and finances in life, is an essential part to building a legacy. The next aspect of a man's legacy or the next leg of this table of your life is what you accomplish in life. So many of us come from broken places, broken homes, 
environments that were not conducive for people being successful. Many of us were allowed to just run wild and do whatever we want without any direction in life. And the 20s pass and the 30s pass. And one day we wake up in our 40s and we realize that we've accomplished very little. I think it's essential that young men in their late teens, in their early 20s, are already asking themselves the question of who do they want to be? What do they want to accomplish? I think it's a grand idea for young men. College isn't for everyone. School isn't for everyone. I know that. And if you have hustle and grit and drive and determination within you, you obviously don't need these things. You can go out and excel at a trade or at a vocation and do well for yourself. But I think as a fallback, it's a great idea for men to learn a trade or to go to school and be licensed or certified in some type of degree, uh, some type of education that's going to let them stand head and shoulders above the rest of the people trying to get those jobs so that they're able to work, they're able to accomplish. And it isn't obviously just about you know, your job. It's about what you accomplish in life as a man. What challenges are before you that you conquer? Things that you don't let put you in a place of defeat. I believe as men, it's in our genetics, in our DNA, to be conquerors, to achieve greatness. I believe there's so much distraction in the world today, especially in America, that sets people on this path of mediocrity. Little things like media and video games and technology and social media and different things that just keep people stuck in a place, as I said, mediocrity, never achieving, never accomplishing anything. I believe a man needs to be focused to know what he wants, to make a plan. And just like just like Vikings that would pick countries and go and conquer them. We need to make a plan and stick to it and accomplish great things in life. I believe it's a calling. I believe it's a requirement for men to accomplish great things in life. One, it provides for you an excellent life to be accomplishment driven. But it also sets the example for the people that are growing up underneath you to not be lethargic, to not be lazy, but to be accomplishment driven as well. It serves the world better. When we systematically set goals and accomplish them and achieve them. The next aspect of legacy, the next leg of this table of your life is who you become. This one strikes home with me because there was a time in my life I was so cynical and so toxic. The person that I had become, I wouldn't even want to be around the person that I was. Bound by addictions and self-sabotage and a brokenness mindset that kept me stuck in a place of unproductivity and 
it's not a good place to be. Who you become in your character and your integrity as a man is important. It requires us to be honest with ourselves and ask hard questions, to be self-analytical often, not just once, but at reoccurring points in our life to stop and to sit down and to tune out all the noise and to ask ourselves, who am I becoming as a man? Am I emotionally grounded? Am I a secure person? Do I function from a place of positivity and courage? Or do I function from a place of fear and self-doubt? What is my character? How are my manners? What is my worldview? How do I see others and how do I see life? Who am I becoming as a man? All of these are not only important for your growth and development, but they are essential that you get a handle on these and understand what you're acquiring, what you're accomplishing, and who you're becoming. Because you and I, whether we intend to or not, are influencing the people around us. I want my children to grow up and take their lives, what they acquire, what they accomplish, and who they become and who they influence to levels of success that are beyond my own. I want to see the people around me succeed. I want to become the type of person that other people can feel safe and secure around. I want to be the kind of person that's honest, that tells it like it is, that can sit down with somebody and have an honest, straightforward conversation without feeling like I have to put on a facade. I want to be the kind of person that other people are comfortable around to the point where they feel safe and they open up and they share the intimate details of their life because they realize that the person I am as a man is a safe place. I want to heal the world around me. I want to positively impact and affect the world around me. You have to be able to detect toxicity in your mindset, in your habits, in your behaviors, in your thought patterns. And you have to be willing to search out the tools so that you can begin to change who you are into who you want to become, who you know deep down you were made to become. Apex masculinity is not about domination and chauvinism. It's about protecting those you love and care for. It's about developing those that you love and care for in a positive way. But you and I can't do this if we're toxic. You and I can't help other people become the best versions of themselves if we're stuck in a place of negativity and toxicity as men. 
we need to figure out what's broken, get it fixed, and constantly grow and mature as men. Lastly, last aspect of your legacy, the last leg of the table of your life is who you influence. We've discussed it briefly already. But it saddens me to my core to know that there are men out there that will have the discovery that there are aspects to their life that are negative and toxic, and they will begin the journey of growth and development to becoming a better man, but they'll keep it inside. And they'll never get to a place of confidence, comfort, to where they're able to influence others around them. There is so much negativity in the world naturally that influences people in mass to be negative, to be self-sabotaging, to be self-doubting, to have self-limiting belief systems. There is so much negativity in the world today that just through the natural course of the world that we live in today will inspire and develop people to function from a place of fear and insecurity rather than courage, self-respect. If you and I don't become apex men and then realize that it is a requirement, not an option, but a requirement to positively impact and influence those around us to also become apex. I've spoken with men at different places, different seasons and times in my life. And we're all this way. We get around people that we're comfortable with and we feel like it's a safe place to begin to digress the negative things that are going in our life. And I think everybody should have that. I think everybody should have that friend or those associates in life where you can express some of the negativity and the things that are not as you would have them to be in your life. Because we know that we're most of the time going to get some feedback. And hopefully the people that you're discussing these aspects of your life with are honest enough and courageous enough to where They'll deal with you if the problem is you. But oftentimes I hear things like, my wife isn't supportive or my wife has checked out or my wife doesn't contribute. And I have to ask myself, is there a reason for that? As men, we bear the responsibility of developing the people around us. My kids have gone sideways or my kids are having this problem or that problem. And the question always comes back to us as men. We bear the responsibility not only for the quality and the condition of our own minds and lives, but for the quality and the condition of our wives and our children and anyone that comes into our sphere especially your wives and children, but anyone that comes into your sphere. And I ask these men, do you not bear any responsibility 
for the state that your wife is in? Are you not taking any actionable steps to positively influence your wife to begin to become the person, not only that you want her to be, but that you know she's capable of being? Are we just sitting on the sidelines and digressing all the negativity about how we feel about our spouses and our kids and our jobs and our money? Or are we taking the actionable steps to begin to influence the people that are under our immediate care? To be a man is to be a protector, to be an influencer. And if your wife is not in good shape, friend, I would ask you to look no further than yourself. What have you done as a man, as a husband, to begin to affirm your wife or your kids in a positive way, to begin to help them rebuild the toxicity that exists in them? Oftentimes, being toxic, we look for somebody that's going to fix us or helps or help us in some way. And what we usually get is another toxic person. And now we have two toxic people that are trying to live together, selfish, unwilling to do the work, not only on themselves, but God forbid, helping your spouse to grow and mature to be the best version of themselves that they could be. Who you influence as a man is extremely important. I don't want to see you succeed only, but I want to see you take a handful of people with you in your journey of success, in your journey of growth and development. I want to see your kids grow up well-rounded, emotionally secure, achievement-minded, humble, willing to do the hard work, willing to invest in others. Because no one is coming, friend. No one is coming to fix this mess that the world is in. This mess of toxicity and negativity is too deep. It's too messy. The only way it's going to get fixed is one man at a time being honest with himself and doing the hard work to see himself grow and mature and then realizing that he is required and that is essential to influence the people that he loves and cares for to become the best versions of themselves. Guys, I love you. And I want you to sleep well at night. And I want you to love yourselves. Your takeaways from this podcast are as follows. As men, we have the responsibility to build legacy. You have the responsibility to begin to acquire possessions and wealth so that you can enjoy your life and so that you can leave something for those that you claim to love and care for so that they're set up and can be a head and shoulders taller than everyone else so that they can succeed and continue to succeed. This is changing your family tree forever. You have the opportunity to take yourself from rags to riches and change your family tree forever. You have an obligation to become debt-free. 
You have an obligation to acquire assets. You have an obligation to gain a resume of epic achievements in life. You have an obligation to make a name for yourself. You have an obligation to be self-analytical and to, and to discern what your negative character traits are and to begin to crucify them every day. You have an obligation to discover positive value-adding traits and to develop them within yourself and with the people within your immediate sphere. You have an obligation to influence people to become the best versions of themselves. Until next time, thank you.